Hello, friends, and welcome to the dimension of our midnight cake. I'm Soltis. Joining me in the nexus between realities are my friends and fellow transdimensional beings, Lumberdor, Beaches, and Doug. For this week's transmission, we will be discussing The Green Knight, a 2021 epic medieval fantasy film directed, written, edited, and produced by David Lowry, adapted from the 14th century poem Sir Gawain and The Green Knight, written by an anonymous poet. The film stars Dev Patel as Gawain, a nephew of King Arthur who sets out on a journey to test his courage and face the Green Knight. The film also stars Alicia Vikander, Joel Edgerton, Sarita Chowdhury, Sean Harris, and Ralph Innocent. The Green Knight was theatrically released in the United States on June 30th, 2021. And the film received acclaim from critics for its cinematography, music, acting, production values, and Lowry's originality, direction, and writing. It grossed over $18 million against a budget of $15 million. Originally, The Green Knight was scheduled to have its world premiere at the South by Southwest Film Festival on March 16, 2020, with a full theatrical release following on May 29th. However, the COVID-19 pandemic forced the cancellation of South by Southwest and a mass closure for movie theaters worldwide. With no time frame for when cinemas might reopen, some studios opted to release their new films through video on demand. Lowry told the A24 Project podcast and IndieWire that he would prefer The Green Knight to see a theatrical release, but that he was ultimately not in control of whether or not it opened on video on demand. Later, Lowry revealed that he would have been unhappy with the cut of The Green Knight that was set to debut at South by Southwest, and that he spent six months during the pandemic re-editing the film into something with which he could be satisfied. If you enjoy our conversations and would like to contribute in some way or get in contact with us, consider visiting our website at ourmidnightcake.com and sharing this transmission with your friends. Also, be sure to join us next week when we discuss the Academy Awards. Okay. Modern deconstruction of 14th century poem Green Knight is go. I was when I was watching it, I was like, this is like weird enough that I really don't know what <laughs> these guys are going to think of this. It's a weird little movie. Yeah, and, and generally I enjoy films from the studio. Um, mm-hmm. A24, yeah. Yeah, they do, they do really interesting things. Did you see The Witch? I did not. Uh, I want to say I did, but off the top of my head, I can't oh, man, remember. I love yeah. The Witch. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's a real slow burn, but it's awesome. But yeah, no, A24 does weird movies. The Witch is, it's um, like awful and I love it. Oh, it's great. It it's makes fantastic. you feel so bad. <laughs> it does. This just made it me does. feel more confused, but I did like the artistic stuff in it. Yeah, I, I thought that the cinematography for the most part was done oh, very a, well. Yeah, yeah, very except nice. for when it was black and I couldn't tell what was going on. Yeah. Like the <laughs> I'm like, okay, I, mm. I hear stuff, but I really can't see much of anything. Yeah, the score, the score is nice. The music. The little uh chapter mm-hmm. notes were nice but they also kind of threw me off a bit just because i wasn't sure what to make of those because yeah i will say a lot of things they did artistically you don't typically see in mainstream movies Mm. which isn't bad at all but you know you get kind of used to yeah it's almost like at times it was like 
that pattern. A little too playful for yes. the rest of the tone of the movie for me. Yeah. But I also liked that they were doing it. I don't know. Yeah. They they tinker, I'm conflicted. They tinker with the legend too, a bit, but uh, no, no more than we've seen before. Yeah, just, true. Just to make the story, tell the story they're wanting to tell, I suppose. Yeah, that's one of the things that I did not care for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hard not to like jump to the ending. Where, but... where they made Morgan Le Fay Gowan's mother. Mm. Okay. See, I was thinking that that must be it. But then when they had her again later in the movie, I'm like, why are they randomly having her with the Lord and the Lady if they're already kind of making her his mother? Not... Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I cut off your train of thought. You made I thought the same thing, I guess. Mordegais is is Sir Gowan's mother. Is Gowan's mother, yeah. Mm-hmm. And also the mother of Mordred, <laughs> who is Arthur's illegitimate son from the incestuous relationship he had with his sister, Mordegais. <laughs> that doesn't come into play here. So, Which I got yeah. to see because I watched Excalibur. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that was a weird brag. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That was, that was something Arthur and the Brady Bunch sequel had in common. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Game of Thrones. Um, we went there. And, of oh, course, Ga- Gawain is not a, a knight. <laughs> Would be the other, I guess, yeah. change. The other change is that he's not a knight and that he's kind of just wasting his life. He, he is. He's like He's like a total, like lost slacker i mean Mm -hmm. the movie is very much about him doing the wrong thing over and over until he finally does the right thing it's like the the journey of that i guess the one thing the character actually mentioned he wasn't a knight was really weird and on that scene that was another scene that i didn't care for (laughs) but but more so because of the of the references that are made in the movie they don't actually tie in if you're not familiar with the poem Mm. the kiss between sir gowan and the lord they set up another game sort of to where you know he goes out hunting and then whatever gowan receives while he's gone he has to give the lord that's an integral plot point to the story and illustrative of sir gowan's character he goes out the lord goes out hunting three times the wife tries to seduce sir gowan three times Gowan rejects her advances all three times, and but each time allows for a kiss. And so when the Lord brings back various animals, so it's first one kiss, then two kisses, then three kisses. And that actually has a very deep symbolic meaning, not only just with the with the actual kisses themselves, but also the numbers. It's tied in heavily to medieval numerology you say the numbers had a significance because i know like of course the third time is when she gives him the um the girdle sash mm-hmm. girdle yes my bad girdle is a better, actually a better term and he doesn't give that to the lord and that's like the sort mm-hmm. of like the pivotal point of oh he's being dishonest at this point finally we're like in this movie it's like he's dishonest the entire time yes, <laughs> yes. So it is very different yes in that sense and at the end of the poem when he receives the wound to the back of his neck it's a, it's a superficial wound and the green knight is laughing at him for not being honest <laughs> because he was he was he was attempting to cheat death dishonorably that is his failure as a knight to live up and to and then they made him standards. keep wearing the girdle as a <laughs> 
It's just showing his cowardice. Yeah, he reminder. returns to Camelot with the girdle as a symbol of his failure. And the rest of the knights eventually adopt it as a symbol of, or as a reminder to always be virtuous. Mm -hmm. So it goes from like symbol of shame to like symbol of, you know, what they stand for, you mm -hmm. know, it has this significance. Yeah. Where, you know, I guess that is it like in this film, you know, or in this telling in this film, it is like, he's the, the moment where he's finally honorable is in regard to, removing the girdle where like the reverse mm -hmm. is in the poem. Mm -hmm. It's like he's doing the right thing the whole time. And then he does, he just has to hold on to that and try to cheat it at the end. So what's huh. is the I didn't, poem? I didn't really think of is that. The until poem talking to you guys, the but, same name. Yeah. You know, actually Tolkien did a translation of this. Okay. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. That's well known. That's the one I would recommend reading. We had okay. to read it in high school. So, <laughs> I mean, I haven't read it since then. I had to look up some refresher stuff, but I remember thinking it was weird. It, it is and, weird. Uh, and it is the middle part is what's so weird in symbolism. Yeah. It's not shown in the movie, but one of the, the gifts that the lady tries to give Sir Gowan is a ring. It's described as being fiery red for the stone. And the red is representative of something. And they, they talk about the representation of the colors a bit in the movie. What green symbolizes what red symbolizes. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I really did like they that little that scene. into it. Mm -hmm. a lot. It's believed that when Sir Gowan accepts the girdle, it is a manifestation or representation of his faltering faith in God in the face of death. And then going through with actually you know showing up to the green knight to get his head cut off but he has the girdle that's going to protect him so you know no worries there that's a pivotal deal for the character like you were talking about in this movie that's kind of reverse where they it kind of flips it yeah yeah one of the main things that i had <laughs> a great deal of trouble with with this movie was when sir gowan was talking with the lady of the castle you know they're talking about her books and and how how she'll translate and transcribe and copy and everything and then when she sees opportunities to improve she'll do with that and i thought that was very self-aggrandizing of whoever was filming this movie <laughs> to say that that they were improving the story they were uh, maybe i was reading too much into that making their own medieval yeah. fan fiction so yeah <laughs> this i feel dumb about this now in regard to the lady i did not catch until later on that the prostitute he was with and the lady are played by the same actress i totally missed this i was watching this late at night okay but i totally missed that did you guys catch that i don't think they are no they, it's the same actress yeah what yeah i know <laughs> I know. I thought, she, I thought that I thought was kind of a clever. Played, I haven't looked up any of the actors or actresses' names. So, so I thought she also played one of the giant people walking around in the clouds. I, I totally Lo love it or saying until, you're like, good, Doug. <laughs> yeah, you're. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Facts, I trust the internet. I totally missed stuff. it until like thinking about it more the next day. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, I thought that was kind of a clever, interesting. He left all that behind. He would deny it. And then he like is running off to someone that looks the same. I don't know. It's an interesting dynamic in a way. I thought that was kind of an interesting little thing to do. But what I really want to talk about is the Mad Mardigan cage. At the crossroads. And and so I was looking up stuff about this movie, though. And one of his inspirations was Willow. Uh, so that's so the Mad Mardigan cage is totally not a mistake. Yes. <laughs> that's awesome. I thought that was awesome. I was like, poor man, Mardigan doesn't make it in Arthurian legend like he does. Wait, so he got that. He, he definitely got that from Willow. You know, apparently he was like, the, the story is that he was staging a diorama 
of Willow, like messing around with miniatures. Mm-hmm. And he was thinking about adapting this poem and it was oh. sort of stylistically an, an influence at times, I guess. Cause I think it was this, I haven't actually watched this since it, back when it came out on streaming. Um, oh, sure, sure. But I, I think it was this that I was watching and I saw that and I thought, well, if it's in multiple things, it must have been a real thing. Like, <laughs> Oh, sure. I'm sure it is, too. <laughs> was this a thing that really happened? It was a Ninja Turtles 3, too, wasn't it? <laughs> you know, on, well, in the where they were true. captured underneath the, in the well, tower. So we're, so, so we're talking Turtle Men. <laughs> <laughs> and time travel. I also thought... Um... <laughs> The laziest uh, time I'm, travel ever. Written. While I'm being goofy, oh, of course, we also travel. got the Joker, <laughs> uh, the new Joker in this movie. So, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's he's good. Uh, he is quite good, actually. Which one was the new Joker? He, he, he was, was in the, the Avengers on the battlefield. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's him. which the poem alludes to a lot of different adventures that Tagawa goes, goes on. Now it alludes to adventures, to but it. it doesn't go into detail. Mm-hmm. Correct? Yeah. Is that okay? You know, I, I don't have a problem with any of that kind of thing going on. I thought all that stuff was fine. Yeah, mm-hmm. the Winifred thing was interesting. That's that's an old legend that she, I guess, decided to become a nun when she was like sort of in this like arranged betrothal to this guy kind of thing, and he killed her, and then. Years later, they found her head in the spring, you know, or it was that the spring became a spring, right? It became a spring from where Mm -hmm. he discarded her head. So, you know, they did some interesting things that had roots in in different old legends. I thought that was kind of cool. There were some sequences that, again, very visually interesting, but Mm -hmm. I was not entirely sure what it had to do with the character or plot. For example, after he gets captured by the scavenger and his gang and then he's mm-hmm. tied up and he's left there. And then the camera pans around what you're going to mention. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get back to him and he's a skeleton and it pans around again. And then he's, then he's not. And <laughs> it's, it's very cool. Like him, but is it like him thinking he's going to die. I got a lot or... of like feeling of like dream sequences throughout everything yeah. or especially at towards the end when the talking fox shows up, it's kind of a thing with um, <laughs> where it's going through with him as king and and whatnot. Like, it, oh, that it that was, was a, a vision, yeah, yeah. But I, I like a, I like that there was no dialogue during all that. I thought that was co- a cool choice. Yeah, there was basically like no dialogue for that whole sequence of him having the flash of what his life will become if he runs away. Well, what you mentioned, Doug, I definitely from the trailer, I expected this to be full of talking foxes. And um, <laughs> was there for it, talking, for it was to the talking just end up being sort of kind of like a dreamlike sequence? Uh, I felt a little cheated. I think the talking no. fox was in the trailer, wasn't it? <laughs> he was, yes. That's awesome. Now, what? Um, I didn't watch any trailers. I, I don't use the. I internet, don't need you know? um, <laughs> I know the entire plot of the film before I go see. <laughs> oh, nice. What's the movie of the Green Knight himself? Like when he comes in, his entrance and all that would. I'll, yeah, yeah. What, what about the oh. design of him? Like, like the very he's very like. And, and most, he's almost that's, that's mostly practical effects. Yes. as well. Apparently, they did matte paintings. Yeah, they, they did. did matte paintings as well I to, know, to make the scene bigger. Yep. Which I'll, I'll I think is fantastic. I wish that more studios would do that because he really reminded me of like eighties characters. Yeah. 80s, like is vibing on that. Like he reminded me a lot of the Gnome King from Under oh, Oz. Yeah. With yeah. the the look, especially even you know one, one's a rock guy. This one's a tree guy. 
but basically the same thing. Yes, you can, <laughs> but you can see his eyes through the mask, you know, and you can see that, that he's got actual facial hair coming down on top of the like the tree mask, too. It was just really interesting, like character design stuff. And then add that with actual the like you also the matte paintings and the lighting and some of the uh, camera shots and everything like the Green Knight stuff stood out to me so much with him being in the movie so little. Yeah. I, I mean, he is not. And they nailed the entrance. Yes. Ugh. They're coming in with the holly boughs and <laughs> everything. Yeah. It's really effective. Really and effective. Even just like setting the axe down and like the moss is coming through the, the, the stonework and everything. That was like. And they allude ugh. to it again at the yeah. end in his dream sequence where he or his vision. And then, uh, and then of course they made um Guinevere look like a meth addict. I thought that was an interesting. Yeah. That's <laughs> a style that? choice. I wasn't it. I was like, Guinevere is supposed to be like the pity of a, woman a supreme and, beauty. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. I did I did enjoy the costuming and the set designs and ah it, it looked awesome. Yeah, it was, it was really well done. The crowns in particular, I enjoyed. Oh, yeah. I loved the crowns. To have the halo on the back mm -hmm. so cool very at least for me very reminiscent of medieval paintings and things uh, mm -hmm. relating to the divine even the medieval artwork they kept showing throughout with the tarot cards and and the paintings and uh, mm -hmm. a few other things like it, it wasn't necessary but it actually helped connect a few things where there were odd story points for me anyway weird yes <laughs> and there were good details too yeah before Sir Gawain leaves on his quest, there is a whole list of uh, the number five. The five senses without fail, five fingers will never fail him, five wounds of Christ, five joys of the Virgin Mary. And then the fifth five is Sir Gawain himself embodying the five chivalric virtues. Five was believed to be a perfect number in medieval numerology uh, and it comes into play heavily not only in the movie but also in the poem the poet originally composed sir gowan to be the epitome of what it meant to be a knight and to fail in his task was a big deal that's something that i believe that they've missed with the movie mm -hmm. i i don't know it's tricky especially because i don't know how many beowulf movies have been made or series or right. whatever <laughs> and they're all different and they're all weird <laughs> yes but, but I, I don't know what the answer is to that how to capture not only not only to make it visually interesting so that the audience pays attention to what's going on and wants to follow along with the story but also to keep the core values of what the story is yes. teaching yeah and when what the story actually yeah. is so this is random and to throw you off your topic, which was very good. Um, <laughs> while you were talking, it was a rant. <laughs> no, but it was a good rant, and it made me. Yeah, it's not that I'm very not very interested. <laughs> it made me it think a, good a very stupid thought that somewhat relates to the movie. <laughs> so, this movie, you know, you were talking about how you know basically wasn't the character he was in the poem. But he was more coward the whole way through, and somehow in that train of thought. It got me thinking about Monty Python and like this is a whole movie based around brave Sir Robin. Sir Robin bravely ran away. Yes. 
Well, first, yeah, it is generally agreed that uh, Monty <laughs> Python has right made the best away. film based on Arthurian legend ever, right? <laughs> Without a doubt. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's a weirder artistic version of Brave Sir Robin is what we ended up with here. <laughs> <laughs> if you want a quick summary. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, that Sorry, is fantastic. Your rant, was, your rant was better than mine. Mine just made me laugh. <laughs> And now the song's stuck in your head. <laughs> yeah, it is. Thanks. They ate Robin's minstrels there, and there was much rejoicing. Yay. Also, if you never looked up the lyrics to the Braves of Robin song, they're pretty hilarious. I like Dev Patel better than Liam Neeson in the role of Gowan. I've never seen that one. I've never watched it. Really? You've never to... seen Excalibur? It's definitely no. Oh, okay. It. So Liam Neeson plays Gowan in Excalibur? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, I oh. didn't know that. I would say that that Dev Patel did very well. I thought he was great. I thought yeah. you said Dave Chappelle. I was about to ask you what you thought of <laughs> Dave Chappelle. <laughs> I was really confused for a second. No, no. My he problem was, is uh, I keep wanting what, to say. What was it, at you? <laughs> yeah. In men and tights. In men and tights. <laughs> but I thought he was quite good, though. I was going to ask you guys what you thought of him. This is the first thing I think I've really seen him in, and I I enjoyed I enjoyed it a lot. He played Prince Zuko in the live action The Last Airbender, which you know he still has a career after that. So he must be good. <laughs> Terrific actor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, the guy that played, um, I guess the same guy is the Lord in the Green Knight. Is that right? No, they were played by two different people, even though they in, in the poem, people. they are the same person. Okay. And then in the poem, you find out that it was Morgan Le Fay, who is the old lady in mm-hmm. The Lord and the Lady's Castle. And it was an elaborate plot set up by her to terrorize <laughs> Queen Guinevere. <laughs> terrorize Guinevere and make the knights look like cowards or something. And like thus that. we get yeah. the classic Scooby-Doo plot of it was old Ben Wilkins all along. Oh, uh-huh. yes. That's pretty much it. <laughs> He's just like... Boom, it was me. <laughs> Remember me? I gave you a bunch of fox meat or something. <laughs> they eat foxes? I don't know what they eat. I think that earlier reviews of this movie, uh, people seem to be upset because it wasn't some, some wasn't Game of Lord Thrones of fanta- you know, uh, epic fantasy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that that's, that's a valid criticism for this movie. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. It's not that kind of story. No, no, no. It's yeah, not that kind all. of story in the first place, and and it's a very intimate story. And I enjoy that they kept the cast to a minimum. I liked how small the cast was. Yes. Would you recommend this to somebody? I would, but not everybody. But but with a caveat. I was going to say I'd recommend <laughs> like, it to certain people. Recommend to certain people because it is weird. It's weird. Probably to you guys, I'd recommend it to you. If guys. you're a fan of Arthurian <laughs> things, but not a purist. If you can stand a sort of a a slow burn, um, odd sort of, almost, it it sort of straddles the line between fantasy and horror story. Mm -hmm. It does. Yeah, you know, and and for people that will appreciate the the things you talked about earlier, Soltis, just the cinematography and the settings and the costuming and the crazy stuff they do with lighting and music. Like if you just appreciate that stuff for what it is. I, you got, I would definitely say watch it. I mean, it's definitely a production. There is it, is, enough it is a visually stimulating movie. That you don't see in every movie that makes it worth watching, if that's what you're looking for. 
I do love that we're still in the setting where where people, you know, magic is going away. You know, it's not really the time of Merlin really anymore, but people are still familiar enough with that being a thing that the Green Knight can walk in and they're not like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there is a bit of that tension of like the, the Christianizing of pagan country, I guess, or something like that. There's a little, there's like weird mm-hmm. moments where it was like mixed together christian virtues but then like there's like, like runes pagan practices and, and, mm-hmm. yeah it's it was like all kind of intermixing that's that's an interesting tension that's kind of present throughout i was going to say the only thing left to talk about is the ending i think yeah um intentionally left ambiguous did not care for it well because like, it's about that he did the he finally did the noble thing regardless of what happens to him is how i take it yeah but uh, you can't say that it's necessarily satisfying at the same time. Thank you for joining us in the dimension of our Midnight Cape. We hope you'll visit us again. From myself, Lumberdor, Beaches, and Doug, thank you and good night. I was watching an old uh, clip with George Carlin and uh, David Letterman. I think it was the late 80s. And he's talking about a movie he's in with Shelley Long <clears throat> that I did not recognize. So I had to go to IMDb you know, to look it up. And I fall down that rabbit hole. And I end up <laughs> okay, on yeah. uh, the Brady Bunch movies. You remember those things? Mm-hmm. Can you hear me now? Yep. Yeah, we yeah. could hear you before. Okay. Oh, okay. I couldn't hear you. My headphones were closed, I guess. Let's, I yeah, remember the Brady Bunch movies. Um, uh, which I wouldn't have normally sought out, but the IMDb was kind enough to inform me they were both on the HBO Max. And the description is just, you know, the gag of this thing, these things were, was uh, that you had this, it was like their house was a time capsule where they had plopped this 70s sitcom family into the modern era right mm-hmm. yeah and that's what the entire movies are built on <laughs> is is this one joke um but i realized they're not really in the modern area they're they're they're, they're set they're both set in a 90s movie which is kind of a time capsule into itself <laughs> so i just I had to remember them. that I just had to watch them because it's it's stunning now when you think about it, it, give or take a year, it's almost exactly the same amount of time since that movie came out as the difference between when that movie came out and the Brady Bunch series premiere. <laughs> I think about 26 yeah. years. It's like when, when everyone was all jazzed because we hit the, the day and Back to the Future too. I was like, you realize <laughs> that means... From the first movie back to when his parents were alive, that's how long it's been. Uh-huh. So now we're all that old. Or when his parents <laughs> were young, that is. Mm-hmm. It's just the closest frame of reference I have to describe. I was I watched it with like wrapped just joy. I mean, my mouth was always. <laughs> but the closest thing I can think to describe it with is, of course, a Ninja Turtle reference from the 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 Turtles Forever movie. Where yes. the, the whole joke of the movie through most of it is the, the 2000s turtles making fun of the 80s turtles for how goofy they are. But then when the comic turtles show up, 
they're making fun of the 2000s. <laughs> it felt like that because you had this one era making fun of this other era. And here I am going, it's a little stupid. <laughs> I'm watching a grittier, darker Batman movie. I'm watching a new I'm watching a new generation of Ninja Turtles insult the previous. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I was it's thinking all silly. As, as we were go, as I was going through it, that, <laughs> it's fun. That they were they compared to the Adams family movies actually, where you had this like not so much a fish out of water, but like a fish that doesn't yeah. know it's out of water scenario. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, although I don't think you could do the Brady Bunch thing again. <laughs> uh, Got to give the Brady Bunch the Riverdale treatment. <laughs> I'll make it oh dark and edgy. <laughs> I'm watching a oh. darker, grittier Brady Bunch. 